Welcome to the third Darko Audio podcast. I'm Darren Henley, and I'm calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm talking with John Darko today, and he's streaming in from Berlin, Germany. All right, John, so last time you asked me which component, if I was to lose it somehow, I would buy again in a heartbeat. So now your turn. Hmm. Which component would you replace? Or or break it or yeah, right. or drop it or I don't know. Yeah, my my component of choice for instant replacement no matter what. I guess it's kind of low end really. It's a pair of Bluetooth headphones made by Sony. Um they're called the MDR1000X. Uh, they've been actually they've been superseded by a, a new model. I think they call the WH one thousand XM two. God knows how they get these names, but whatever. That's but the, crazy. <laughs> it is. But they're they're a four hundred dollar pair of no, there are now a three hundred dollar pair of Bluetooth headphones, and they're light and they're extremely comfortable, and they fold up and they have a carry case, and in terms of sound quality. They're probably not quite as good as the Bowers and Wilkins PX, but they're a lot more comfortable. And because I use a Xiaomi Android phone now, which also mm-hmm. um, runs uh, Oreo, uh, what's it called? The uh, version 8 of Android, Oreo. It runs that, which right. has the LDAC codec in- included, so that I get a better quality Bluetooth stream between my phone and these Bluetooth headphones. And the, the, you know, the Sony's make—they don't really discriminate between music. They—they they make everything sound really, really good. Like I say, not as transparent as the BMWs, but everything sounds good through these. Rather than with the BMWs, maybe you can hear the differences in recordings a little bit more. Uh, a bit, those differences are starker. So the you know the the Sony's are light, and they're just super comfortable. And I, I pretty much take them everywhere unless it's super hot. Um, and I absolutely love them, and I, I bought them about a year and a half ago. And if anything were to befall them, I would happily go out and buy another pair tomorrow. These headphones also have a, a couple of very neat usability features, whereby if you double tap the right ear cup, the music pauses. And or if you're crossing the street, if you put your hand over the right ear cup just to cover it, the music. Um, the the volume drops considerably so you can hear your surroundings okay so cool. these are kind of really useful little features in them i mean and i guess this all comes down to the power the wonderful power of dsp huh. yeah that's very cool i you know i don't listen on the go as often but i can imagine those kind of features are are key well they're just they're just nice elegant usability touches you know they're just they they take a very good product and elevate it to an amazing product because it's a, just a joy to use in almost every respect. Like if if I stroke the right ear cup upwards with one finger, right. the volume goes up, and I can attenuate downwards going in the other direction, and I can skip tracks going left and right. And um, that takes a bit of practice to get that right, but um, it means I don't have to pull the phone from my pocket really, hardly ever, you know, when I'm walking about. So. Uh, I, just, I, I think they're absolutely wonderful. Nice. 
Yeah, I don't have anything like that. Again, it's interesting for me now. I don't listen as much on the go. I would buy those too. If I was uh, on the go and listening all the time on foot or, or what have you, uh, commuting. Is that because, Darren, you live in the USA and you live in Phoenix especially and you drive everywhere? <laughs> uh, primarily, yes. I, I live in Phoenix and, um, by the way, it's starting to get hot. It's, it's now, um, we had our, our brief spring and a, an awesome winter, but now it's hot. Uh, or it's about 90 today um, 90 degrees today yeah. are you serious yeah. do you want to know what temperature yeah. is in berlin right now it's it's minus one celsius and it is snowing wow <laughs> it's 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 wild weather for first of april yeah that's uh wow yeah you know we we had a um a warm winter but we had a we actually had a brief spring mm. um and the fact that it didn't get to 90 until this week let's call it the first week of april uh is actually i'll take it i guess um you know summer's coming and we'll have a good six months of extreme heat but anyway mm. so yeah i i don't i don't um we do drive when we commute i work from home so i don't commute very often and so unfortunately i'm in my office a lot and so i don't have as much of need for portable gear in fact i bought a dragonfly red mm -hmm. last year and i ended up selling it it was an awesome headphone amp but i'm just not traveling as much and so i don't have need for it uh fair enough fair enough well i see i mean i go out on the u-bahn all the time and i'm walking about berlin all the time even in shitty weather and i guess yeah that's the other yeah. thing i forgot to mention about these 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 uh sony bluetooth headphones is they're also noise cancelling so oh, if nice. if I'm on the U-Bahn, because it's kind of noisy, not not because of people talking all the time, and the Germans are pretty quiet on the train, but um, the whole thing rattles a lot and it makes a hell of a noise. So having a noise cancelling earphone is just even if no music is playing, it's it's quite it, it makes traveling a lot you know a lot more enjoyable. Uh -huh. Also, you know when you're on, a, on an airplane as well. Um, you know, just being able to dial down that background drone that really wears you out, you know, especially if it's a long-haul flight. Um, life on these is something like 25 hours, 26 hours. And the new model, I think it's, yeah, the new model is even higher. No kidding. No, I'm not kidding. It's it's crazy good. So just wow, in that's fantastic. Yeah, just in terms of utility. And for, I think most people who would hear these headphones would think their life had, you know, changed forever for the better because they, they, do, they do sound really... <laughs> I guess this is the thing about Bluetooth headphones is that they're getting really good now. They're not as good as a direct wired connection, but you don't, you don't see, I mean, I never find myself thinking, oh my God, this Bluetooth is really getting me down. I don't really sort of, don't really notice yeah. it, especially when I'm out and about and noise counseling's on, you know. Um, or it's where the utility outweighs the slight hit to sound quality that Bluetooth gives me. So, Yeah. That's great. Uh, makes me uh, wish I had a, a flight I had to take. I'd grab a pair of those. Yeah, actually, Olaf, who who um, films videos for Darko Audio now, mm -hmm. he's a professional cameraman. Um, that's his day job, and he went to Thailand. He's in Thailand at the moment filming a documentary, and he bought a pair of the, the newer model Sony's because he'd heard so much about them. 
Um, he bought a pair for the for the the long haul flight. So I guess we'll find out when when he gets back how he likes them. But I'm, I'll be I'll be stunned if he did, doesn't like them. So I guess the other thing is is that my last thought on this matter on these on these headphones is that people you know when you say Bluetooth headphone or noise cancelling headphone to most people their mind immediately jumps to Bose, Bose yeah. as the market leader right that's no longer the case really isn't it? these Sony's are just as good probably better in some respects the B&W's have some outstanding qualities which I won't get into now because I'm not really talking about those but um, are they all yeah. are they all comparable in in price yeah they're all sort of I think yeah the the Bows and Wilkins are 400 bucks. I'm not sure what the bows are. Um, the Sony's have come, well, the, this this model, this older model of Sony is, you can get them up for under 300 on Amazon now because the newer model's like 350 or something. Um, so if, you know, if you're hesitating buying these Sony's, they are absolutely superb, truly. Um, well, this week, I guess I would like to talk about tone. Let's, let's start mm -hmm. by talking about tone controls, because I saw um, Steve Gutenberg. He calls himself the audiophiliac. He, he's now doing these awesome, like two to five minute YouTube videos where he talks about various topics each day, and he calls it the audiophiliac daily show. I like and that show. Anyway, he was. I was watching one the other day, and he was talking. He was talking about. Um, uh, the audiophile world's allergy to tone controls because you know audiophiles like it pure they want it flat no tone controls for me because i do not want to mess with the sound and then he went on to talk about <clears throat> no enthuse about the shit audio tone control as just a fun device to play with but that got me thinking you know like you know, when audiophiles refuse tone controls the biggest tone control of all in any audio system is the room. The you know you take the same audio system and you put it you put it in one room and then you put it in another different room, and it, and the room's size, acoustic makeup, will influence the sound that you hear. It's it's like a, it's the biggest control of all. Right. I mean you you I mean you must find that as a studio person, right? You must have to treat your studio at home yeah I, i'm lucky because i actually record this so the, the cast in my office my office happens mm -hmm. to be small um so say like 10 by 13 feet mm -hmm. and quiet there's stuff mm. on the walls there's curtains on the window wall so i can you know i can um adjust the uh, reflections in the room it's carpeted actually many of the reflective surfaces are covered. So it's a quiet room. Um, but absolutely, you move your gear from one room to the next, it's going to sound different. Right. So as a reviewer, I feel a certain responsibility to communicate some information about the room in which I audition and assess gear. So I obviously mainly do that with photographs. I mean, I want them to look good, so I don't want to kind of take a sort of surgical approach to it and go, well, this is my couch and this is my 
vinyl shelf whatever but actually you know try try and factor the room into some of the the shots they put in reviews because mm -hmm. i want readers to understand that i live in a kind of an average apartment and always actually i always have since i've been writing about audio i've always lived in, a, in an apartment um this one this this lounge room in germany is possibly slightly this the smallest room i've ever had to work in um but it's also the quietest but i live in a very very quiet yeah i guess i live in a quiet area okay so the noise floor is really low but i've had to really work hard to get you know to dial down the reflections of i've never lived in a place with a wooden floor before okay. so i've smashed i've smashed some big rugs down i've hung some curtains i've got acoustic panels on pretty much all the walls without them looking too horrific i bought bought i think i bought five or six from a um a web store called Tormann, which is like the biggest in germany i think i you know yes yeah, so i want readers to really understand in some way the acoustic makeup of my room that it's you know it's not it's not too lively it's not too dead i can't go i can't, obviously i'm not the guy to review big floor standards because i can't accommodate them in my room uh-huh but I think it's, I mean, I mean, somebody else who does this really well is Trajan of Six Moons. He, I mean, he, he shows extensive shots of his room. He does. And, that, and that's really helpful, right? I mean, I'm sure you would find that as a reader um, of any audio website, seeing the room, getting some idea of its size and acoustic makeup. And obviously, you're not there, so you can't hear it, but you have some idea, right? Especially on size. Yeah, I think the context is important. Because the room is so important, I think that while you can't, again, without hearing it, you're not going to know how it sounds. But if you, John, are reporting on some hmm. monitors, um, your current, I think you're using monitors now, right now. Oh, sorry. I can tell you about the the monitors I have right now in a moment, but uh, it, everything, everything changed okay. a couple of days ago. But yeah, keep going. Seeing photos of how you have it set up in the room and the room itself it gives context to your written reports and and so if a reader is paying attention right they can actually it looks like your speakers are this far apart they're this far from the the rear wall right. or the front wall so you, and so you can get a sense of the conditions i work with and the tone control that the room may possibly apply now where i like i, I as a reader i like to see the room as well um Sometimes I like to see mm -hmm. the room. Somebody like Rafe Arnott, a part-time audiophile, he takes amazing photographs of his room. So they're, they're just enjoyable yes. to look at, if nothing else. But these these kinds of photographs are important information in a review. So when I read a review that only uses stock photos of the product supplied by the manufacturer, I feel a little bit short-changed because I, do, I really have no idea in what environment this piece of gear was assessed or listened to so i'm i feel like I'm, I'm missing part of the picture yeah so the stock photos are all well and good and they make the pub they actually make the publication look slicker and more professional which is kind of a cruel irony for those of us who do want to show the sort of warts and all environments in which we work because i'm you know i, I know from experience of going to many audiophile friends houses no one's got an ideal room very few audiophiles have <laughs> you know that's i'm glad you brought that up because i'm currently dealing with that idea because 
I am mm -hmm. working on a new format for myself, incorporating mm -hmm. video into the content. And my primary listening space is not a big, gorgeous lounge with luxury furnishings. So how to present that in a way that does represent the space because it's useful for, for viewers. Most of us, I guess most people listening to this will be battling with a less than perfect room. And I would imagine most people mm -hmm. don't have a dedicated listening room. So it's probably the lounge room where the TV is and where the family also has to, you know, sit and you know, have to share the space with the family. So it can't be speakers, hi-fi and room treatments everywhere because that's just not how people live or can live because you have to think about the people that you live with. So, so that, you know, that we, you know, we're dealing with these imperfect rooms, right? So for example, Darren, like if, you know, if I were to invite you to my house and you sit in my listening chair and I, you know, you've got the speakers in front of you, you've got the amp, preamp, DAC, streamer, maybe a phono stage turntable. And let's say I, I just play you some music that you've never heard before, right? So let's say it's some Kitchens of Distinction, Fatima Mansions, I'm just pulling these off the top of my head, um, some Orteca, maybe I'll play some Neil Young, for example, maybe, you, but something a bit obscure by Neil Young, just to, just to mess with you a little bit. And then, and after about, you know, a cup of tea and sitting around for half an hour or whatever, and we're playing tunes, I ask you, so Darren, what do you think of the sound of my new DAC? What would you say? I don't imagine walking into an unfamiliar space with unfamiliar gear and music that's new to me that I could comment on any one component's performance. I, I can't, I could never claim to be able to isolate one component. Hey, I want to talk about something yeah, that you just. Uh, this this uh, you just brought to mind, and that's that my office is not wired, hardwired for internet. So we have a good fast network here at the house, and I work at home, and I have a home office, and it's also my listening space. Again, it's it's small, but anyway, um, my point of this is mm. that I've been trying to find a way to hardwire my my Windows machine that is my dedicated Rune server currently. I don't have another server I'm using a Windows machine, which um, is not ideal. So I decided to test, because it's relatively cheap, the data over power line adapters that are... There are many um, options, but I chose the TP-Link. Um, mm. I think they were $40 for a pair of adapters. Yeah. I forget what the rating is on the on the adapter. At any rate, I thought I'd give it a go. It from mm. an audiophile standpoint, it mm. seems like it would be uh, a backward step for sound quality. Again, going from having my server, which is a Windows machine, which is noisy in itself, running wirelessly versus running data hard wiring it with a data over power line adapter. But what I found was the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. 
my initial listening impressions were that the sound quality improved with, with the the data over power lines yes so i plugged in one of the adapters in my living room um there's a mm-hmm. cabinet where our router and our modem are mm-hmm. and obviously you wire that adapter to the router mm-hmm. and then you sync the other adapter to that first we'll call it the host adapter right and then mm-hmm. you can place that anywhere in the house right once they're mm-hmm. synced you can plug in that second or third or fourth adapter anywhere so i plug that in my office near my machine so that i can run a short ethernet cable and i did that mm-hmm. and i expected there to be noise because this data is running on, on the back of a of power right mm. which w- we know that ac power noise can impact the sonic character of our playback right mm-hmm. um even not just digital but just period mm. at any rate so what I found, my initial impressions, and I did write about this briefly, um, but I haven't, I haven't been able to do a proper comparison where I switch back and forth over a long term to to get deeper into it. But my initial impression was that the sound quality improved. So, are you saying that you so your DAC is connected to your Windows machine? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no. Well, so I don't understand where the sound is coming from like i understand your data of a power line configuration you've hooked up your windows machine to so i'm the running network. yeah so i'm streaming over the network so i have mm. now have my windows machine which is my server right my yes. room server yep. Yep. wired to the adapter the data mm-hmm. over power adapter in my office and then mm-hmm. i have my micro rendu aha okay wired to um wired to the network right yep and then that is in turn of course plugged into the yggdrasil mm-hmm. switching between having my windows machine running wirelessly mm-hmm. versus hardwired to the data over power line adapter made an improvement to sound interesting quality. so basically moving mm-hmm. your server from a wireless connection to a wired connection has improved the sound quality of that which comes out of the micro rendu. Correct. Right. See, my <laughs> my experience with data over power line adapters um, is the opposite of that. Okay. So when I first got this apartment here in Berlin, I mean, it's, I live in a masonette, so it's you know, the spiral staircase upstairs. So I wanted to kind of have network audio devices all over the house, and I didn't want to run lot man like 15 meter cables everywhere so i thought i know i'll go and get these data over power adapters like that you yep. like you bought and i was running them for a good few months before i occasionally i started to notice when i had no music playing but the system the hi-fi system was on i'd hear this kind of intermittent buzzing noise like me 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 thinking what the hell oh, really? is that and you know it took me two months to isolate this problem because i thought it was you know an errant power board or i mean it could be anything couldn't it It could be it could be a dac failing could be a streamer failing it took me ages to realize okay right i'm just gonna what i had to do is spend an entire weekend deconstructing everything and i thought i'll just take Mm -hmm. out these data over power adapters just to see what happens and sure enough that that annoying sound went away 
So okay. personally, I if, if you're configuring a, a home network for for digital audio streaming, I would not use those data over power adapters. That's my experience. Right. I mean, it's different to yours. So I guess everyone yeah. has a, like a different setup, and maybe for some reason the you know the wiring in this apartment is different to your house. I don't know. So I guess you can try it, but um. <clears throat> yeah I, yeah and that's mm. that's all i would say is that i i haven't had any additional noise right. nothing like that no no static i've never experienced any kind mm. of glitch and subjectively the sound quality improved so i on the other hand would say for you know 40 bucks or 35 dollars i forget how much it was us uh that it mm. was worth the test for me so if you're struggling if you're someone who's struggling with um, your network and you're trying to hardwire your digital chain that it may be worth the investment. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you can see, um, yeah, I'm a little bit burned by them, but yeah. You know, no, it's great. I, yeah. No, 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 I, I like that. I think that that's interesting. Um, and it does prove a point that, you know, it, something that I think about often, which is that, you know, folks need to to try things out for themselves to see absolutely and even if it's I mean, a especially failure if it, it, right yeah. it's a great experience yes. in fact often more more valuable than hey it just sounds great i'm going to move on right teaches you more well yeah i mean you get to realize that there's there's some things you know because like i mean i'm always on everything matters and but having these things plugged into the wall was firing some detritus down these ethernet lines Yes, that was coming into my network streamer, mm-hmm. and causing, you know, this weird sound, you know, intermittent problem. But yeah. intermittent problems are always always a pain to diagnose. True. So yeah, so those I've got four of these um, these plug socket things, and they're sitting in a box upstairs, and I will never use them again. <laughs> and I wasted more money than you as well. No, well, you didn't waste money, but I, you know, I think it would cost me about a, maybe over a hundred euros for four of them. So. And, but, and the yeah. last thing I, I would say on this is that mm. I, I talking about it now makes me think I should go and, and do, do a true test now. I haven't had any issues with, with running these adapters, but trying to determine whether there is any actual difference in, in sound quality would be well, an interesting test. I think for me, if, if I were in your shoes, the only thing I would worry about is there not being a backward step in sound quality because I tend to f- prefer having wired connections just because it's easier to move data around and it's just more reliable. And also, if right. the internet drops out for whatever reason on, 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 that, on, the, on your Windows PC, you're not going to go, is it my Wi-Fi? Because you know you're on a hardwired connection. Although the pairing, I guess, could drop away, couldn't it, between the two devices? But yeah, it's less it likely. Could. It could. And I would recommend the same. I think that... I think based on things I've read anyway, most people, if you're streaming and you're using whatever it is, if you're streaming over your network that mm-hmm. you should hardwire it. Yeah, I mean, more, all of my gear now is hardwired. <clears throat> if I invite you to my house and you can't discern the sound quality of a single component through the unfamiliar music, unfamiliar room, speakers, amp, which, why why should you be able to do that? I mean, you're not superhuman. If you can't do that at, at my house, 
how would you fare at an audio show? Because you've you've not been to one, have you, Darren? No, actually, I've not. So, how would you how do you think you would fare in assessing gear an audio show? I I don't see how you you could uh, even uh, I have a hard time believing that even seasoned um showgoers could could make clear judgments about performance component performance in a in a hotel room like that Hmm. it doesn't seem fair really um i do i don't really read show reports anymore frankly so i don't i don't know that i have perspective on it Hmm. i i kind of stopped reading them because there's just not a lot um of interest to me there I like to see pictures of new gear, but I only go so far. Yeah. I mean, because as you know, I cover shows and when I go to shows, yeah. I like I like shows to see the new product, if there is one, to talk to the manufacturer about it. But if I want to know how it sounds, I'm going to have to get it home. And because for the reasons we've just discussed, there's no way I could possibly discern its sound quality. Speakers, maybe, maybe speakers. But anything you know, further up the chain, not a hope so when you know when somebody comes to me and says oh i heard that deck at that show and it sounded amazing i'm thinking really do you did are you sure it was amazing how do you how do you know did did the room exhibitor swap it out for another deck so you could hear a, a delta between the two very right. very unlikely very unlikely so i think we need to so we need to be honest with ourselves about what is possible at a show and what isn't and I think that might be even more useful. I've seen a, a, a few show reports where the writer said, I enjoyed that room very much. Perfect. That That's nice. That is fair, yes, right? Yes, 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 yes. That makes sense. And if I know the writer because I've followed them and read. So if I'm, if you do that, right, I've read, I've read plenty of, of your reports. So knowing a bit about you through your writing, mm. I could make a decision. You say you like that room, then I can make a decision generally about the system in that room, but I can't yeah. decide whether the new, you know, DAC from so-and-so is, is going to be on my list of, right. of future purchases based on that alone. Yeah. System as a whole um, judgments are, are totally, well, I mean, you're listening, to, <laughs> still listening to an, the, the room's tone control. And for, right. for me, when I go to a show, all the music is unfamiliar because it's all that. Oh, I'm not going to get into it. It's a mulch, so I'm like, I can't, I can't even. So I just treat, I treat shows as show and tells. You know, you show me what's new, you tell me what's new, and I'll report that. And then if I find something interesting, I'll probably email you afterwards and say, can you send me a, re- a review unit? And yeah, I, mm. yeah, and I think as a reader, I would find reading about your conversations with the manufacturers that would be interesting that's an opportunity for you to to sit down with yeah and for the re the readers to get insight that they would not otherwise have right right? especially if they don't go to shows i mean Um, i guess some some listeners might be thinking well you know they might feel cheated now that i've said you you know a show is not really a place to audition a piece of gear which i actually do believe that it's not a place to audition a piece of gear you know where you should audition gear go to your dealer Go and see your dealer. I mean, people are always saying we should support our local dealers. Dealers are dying. Then go to your dealer because if you, I mean, if you go to your dealer semi-regularly, then you will have a better sense of the room that, or the rooms that 
you know your dealer has so you'll you'll have a better sense and you can control the music at your dealer you can control most of the ancillary gear if they're a good dealer because they'll swap it out for you so you can get the sort of assessment experience at your dealership but we, yeah we need to be honest with ourselves about what's possible at a show and what's not So people think that review reviewers every day is Christmas, right? And everyone gets excited, oh, new gear, way, like blah, blah, blah. But after a while, that, that sort of novelty aspect wears off, which is a good thing because it stops reviewers running away with themselves with new, what's, what's, what's that syndrome called? New new toy syndrome? <clears throat> um, it stops, yeah, it stops reviewers running away with it. When you've, when you've got like a, you know, 10 DAX here, it's just, you just swap them out as if they're not nothing. Of course, you can't be too glib about it. it's a professional interest as well as a personal one but um mm -hmm. but yeah these key speakers have really blown my hair back really truly they're just they are nice very very cool so i'm not going to say any more about them now but you kind of alluded to them earlier so i, sh I thought i should say something about them in reviewing gear i have to sort of stick to reasonably familiar music so i tend to look backwards in my catalog new music doesn't really get a look in so much because i don't know it and therefore i can't really use it to review gear so i'm, I'm it's not that i'm stuck in a rut but it, like, my discovery of new music has slowed considerably since i went full-time with reviewing gear really and it well, that's, hmm. apart from techno, that's I kind of I really I do have my ear very close to the ground with that. But when it comes to sort of rock and indie rock, new bands, I'm like I, I've got no clue. But occasionally on Facebook, somebody will pop something up, and my friend popped uh, an album up on Facebook the other day, and it's called Rare Birds, and it's by a chap called Jonathan Wilson. I'd never heard of him, but I did Google him. It turns out he's the producer of Father John Misty's um, last album. Yes, I'm familiar with him. Right, okay. Anyway, so Rare Birds by Jonathan Wilson. The reason that I, I talk about it was he said, oh, this, is, this album reminds me of the first two Peter Gabriel albums. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, I'll have a listen to that. And it does a little bit. Really? It really does. It's, yeah, it really does. It's a bit strange. Um... And I like pop music that's been kicked enough that it limps a little bit in a in a kind of a strange it has a strange walk to it. But it's like it's like you took the first two Peter Gabriel albums and smashed them into the war on drugs. And that is the perfect way to describe this album, Rare Birds. It's glorious. It's so it's a it's a bit more sort of pastorally British than the war on drugs. But it glides along nicely. It's very audiophile friendly in the sense that it's inoffensive. I mean, nobody's going to kind of run away from it and go, oh my God, watch this awful noise. It's it's pleasing to listen to, if you know what I mean. Oh, I'm so, adding yeah. that to my list. So it's Rare Birds by Jonathan Wilson. That's excellent. Uh, I'm a Peter Gabriel fan too. So anything that, mm. that might uh, even, um, you know, nod toward early... Peter Gabriel is of interest to me. Yeah, especially early Peter Gabriel, because yes. after so, it all went a bit, it all got a bit too insipid, didn't it? It was all nice. I mean, I like us, but 
God, it, I mean, there's how many slow songs can you put on an album? It's, did you was, did you spend much time with Up? I did. I loved it actually. I really I liked that a lot more. I feel like he blended a bit of the darker, older school Gabriel into that record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had more edge for sure. It did. I, uh, I but I would, could only say there's only I would maybe half of that record that I really can go back and listen to. Up. Yeah. I haven't played it for ages. I yeah. mean, my my test of whether I really love an album is when it gets reissued, and those us up. I mean, all of those later career. Um, Gabriel Abs were, were repressed to vinyl last year. Yep. Um, my test is it would I would I buy the reissue? And with with us and up, I did not. Uh, I bought both, and really, I can attest to yeah. And I agree with you on 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 both points that us is. Um, there's a couple tunes that I really like, and but as a whole, I don't know how often I would spin that. Uh, mm. Up, I would be I would spin more frequently uh, based yeah. on you know what we already established. I will say that the repressings, they did a, a good job. The reissues, um, they sound fantastic. They're 45 RPM, uh, mm-hmm. two LP reissues. And okay. they do sound very nice. They, they did they did a good job with that. But um, so Jonathan Wilson, um, I'll add it to my list. I, uh, I have a question for you, though, about a record. I think I saw you post. I think I'm my new old account is connected to your uh, Darko Instagram and I think it was on Instagram. Would that be Instagram.com slash Darko Audio? <laughs> it mm. would be. Yes. And, uh, well, Casio Tone for the Painfully Alone. Oh, yeah. I love that band. Yes. That is so funny. I, I don't know anybody who knows Casio Tone for the Painfully Alone, but the only record I'm very familiar with is the um, Advanced Bass Battery Life. That's the record that that I that I was initially introduced to um, mm. Owen Ashworth. That's his name. Anyway, what record do you know off the top of your head? Which one you like? Um, this is the one I posted. I'm looking for the um, yeah. It's called Etiquette. Yeah, because the first track Etiquette. is like, this woman saying you are listening to Etiquette by Casio Tone for the Painfully Alone. Um, yeah, and I think I got into them just because I love the band name and I thought right, I want to hear what that sounds like. Um, and it, it's kind of a, a little bit bleak and it's a bit depressing and I, 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 I mean they're a band that have really been truly forgotten truly like I, I did get to see them in Sydney once no kidding um, yeah they played they did a, did a tour of Australia and they played and I got to see them and they, they weren't actually that good and they had all sorts of equipment problems and it was obviously well not obviously but that day was really hot really stupidly hot the venue was hot so it wasn't the most enjoyable of gigs and I still think I like the records more but um I yeah I just I just I love the lyrical content I'm a words guy so I like the lyrics you have been listening to the Darko audio podcast you can find more of John Darko's work writing and videos at darko.audio and you can find more of my content at thenewold.co